Hello, this is episode 314, and today we are chatting about a whole bunch of things. Uh, you guys submitted a bunch of questions, so we're just going to be going through all of them today. If you have questions about today's content, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com contact and ask me. So if you're curious, how did all these questions get on the show? This is how to do it. You can catch up on previous podcast episodes and notes from today's show by going to ketodietpodcast.com always, always with these ask me anything question episodes, we end up getting a lot of resources and I'm telling you to go to this recipe and that thing. Um, so you can find all of those things in the show notes today. If you're unsure how to locate show notes for the podcast app that you're using to access this show, you can just click around on the app until you find it or go to the Google machine and type in the app that you're using to listen to the show. For example, cast box and then show notes. And there will most likely be a video there at the beginning of the Google results to show you how to access the show notes for all shows that you use uh, with this podcast app. Okay, let's do this thing. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel. You're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've created a free guide with tips on how to start keto and maintain your fat-fueled life. Grab it at healthfulpursuit.com slash free as a little thank you for listening to the show. First question is, what are your thoughts on incorporating PSMF? Uh, days two to three times per week. So PSMF is protein sparing modified fast. This is generally a low calorie, very high protein diet. The reason it was created and the reason why a lot of people do it is because uh, it claims to minimi minimize rather the muscle wasting and nutrient de uh, deficiency issues that come with fasting two to three days a week, complete 24 hour fasts. So it really depends on where you're coming from. If you have a uh, high insulin or insulin resistance, uh, or your doctor who you're working one-on-one -on -one with, uh, has diagnosed you with diabetes or pre-diabetes and has recommended you fast and has recommended that this is a good way to do it. Or perhaps you have PCOS or more higher hormonal issues, including high testosterone, high DHEA, um, those sorts of things. If weight loss is an issue for you, and this is a big and, and you find that you go more on the spectrum of overeating than undereating, if you have been fasting for long periods of time, reducing your amount of calories, if you've been living on 1200 calories for the last couple of years, if you dabbled in 24 hour plus fast over the last couple of years, if when you stand up, you are dizzy, if your blood sugar is doing weird things, I highly don't recommend adding in protein uh, sparing modified fasts. So just as a preface before we get into all the things now, is protein sparing modified fasts uh, healthier than intermittent fasting? It completely depends on the individual. I would say with all of these things, guys, like all of these tools that you hear all these people doing, they're great. I'm sure they work for some, don't work for others, obviously. Um, but it's really important, like two to three days a week of any type of long-term fasting, I feel like it's too much. Also understanding out where you're at in your cycle, I would highly recommend that if you are still menstruating and ovulating that you do not, I repeat, do not, okay, do any sort of fasting while you're ovulating. That's the middle of your cycle there and leading 
leading up to your period, about 10 days before you start your period, I do not recommend any type of fasting whatsoever, not even intermittent fasting uh, plus 12 to 14 hours or more. Okay, so if you are incorporating protein sparing modified fasts or intermittent fasting or longer term fasting, leave it from days one to 10 of your cycle and then directly after ovulation for a couple of days, but that's it. So two to three times per week, uh, I feel like it's too much for these hardcore fasts. But again, I don't know you personally. If your doctor has recommended something like this, then sure, go for it. But but PSMF is really supposed to be a temporary kickstart, okay, like a temporary thing that you do perhaps for a couple of days and then you don't do again. Okay, so the idea of PSMF is to reduce calories to the lowest possible threshold while still eating enough protein to preserve lean tissue mass and enough micronutrients to avoid deficiency. Okay, so if you're doing this two to three times a week, I think that's too many times per week. I think that's too many times, period. So this is basically a form of starvation so that you get the same metabolic benefits that you would uh, doing a real fast, um, but you're still providing yourself a certain amount of calories that you're not absolutely starving. And I see this because that's really what you're doing. So if your metabolism is already um, on the fritz, you've been doing these sorts of fasts over and over and over and over again. And you think, well, maybe if I just lower the amount of calories, it will work. Chances are you're just ruining your metabolism more. And I only say this to be honest. I'm not saying this um, so that you have no hope. Um, But oftentimes, What's more required in that situation, if you are not losing weight and not having um, the success that you want, and you've tried all these tools, uh, really in results of restricting your amount of intake, it may actually be beneficial to increase your intake so that you can rev up your metabolism. Now, there are ways to do that. My go-to way is every week you're increasing your calories by 50. So let's, for example, say that on a weekly basis, daily you're eating 1,200 calories on average. So then week one, you do 1200 calories. Week two, you do 1250 per day. Week three, you do 1300. Week four, you would do 1350 and so on and so on and so on until you get to a higher amount, usually anywhere between 18 to 2100. And then start incorporating these fasting protocols to try to help. Okay, so there's this refeeding part that needs to take place in order for you to start losing weight. So PSMF uh, usually has very few calories. Like I said, it's usually under a thousand, usually closer to 800. Uh, Very few non-starchy vegetables, if any. Think of it like eating carnivore and maybe having one or two small meals in the day. Okay. And again, this is not necessary to do multiple times in the week or multiple weeks in the month or multiple months in the year. This is really a temporary process that you can can use if you need to just to kickstart weight loss and then you're going back to the ketogenic diet where you're eating a whole bunch. Okay, some some things that you want to keep in mind if you do end up doing PSMF is you really need to make sure that you are drinking enough water. You really need to make sure that you have enough electrolytes. If you don't have a good electrolyte powder, you know my favorite is Element. You can find out more by going to drinkelement.com slash KDP. That's drinklmnt.com slash KDP. If you need a good electrolyte powder, make sure that you are taking a banging 
a perfect multivitamin. If you need multivitamin recommendations, I'm going to put some actually in the show notes. Even if you're not doing this kind of fast, it's really important that you have a good multivitamin. So I'll include some resources in the show notes there for you to check out. And um, then you have um, your amount of protein that you kind of want to shoot for. So when I'm doing PSMF with my clients, what I like to go for is anywhere between 1.5 to 1.8, maybe even two grams of protein per kilogram of your ideal body weight. Okay, so let's say that your ideal body weight is 75 kilograms or 100 kilograms, whatever that ideal body weight is for you, depending, you know, you can do a conversion um, online, you know, pounds to kilograms, really easy to do. So once you figure out what your kilogram ideal body weight is, multiply that by 1.5 to 2. Now, what number do you choose? I always lean on the side of caution and go between like 1.8 and 2. Uh, depending on how much protein you're eating right now and what your intake is, because most of this is protein, we want your calories to at least be at 800 calories, okay? So let's just say your ideal body weight is 75 kilograms, multiply that by the 1.8, that means you need at least 135 grams of protein in a day, but if you multiply that to kind of get the calories, that's 540 calories of of intake on proteins, you might actually want to increase that uh, to the two. So 75 kilograms of ideal body weight times two grams of lean muscle, rather of lean animal protein um, to get you a result there. So just make sure that you are, you know, eating a ton of protein. Like I said, it's basically the carnivore diet for a couple of days. So if you do choose to do this, uh, a couple of concerns that I have or things to watch out for. If you get up and you're dizzy or you're dizzy overall, you're feeling weak and tired, make sure that you're having enough salt, enough salt, enough salt. If still, uh, if you're checking your glucose and your glucose is getting down and you just don't feel right, please stop, please stop, please stop. It's totally, totally not worth it. Some people really promote PSMF. I'm not one of those people, as you can probably tell, uh, but there is research to show that it can help with obesity. But again, it's not that magic process that's going to make all your problems go away, but it definitely could help in the short term to kind of kickstart weight loss if that has been an issue for you. Okay, so we've talked so much about that. I hope it's helpful. Okay, let's talk coffee and tea. You love it, hate it. If you can handle just a bit of caffeine, but steer clear of coffee because of its acidic taste and effect on your digestive system, like hello, acid reflux, anyone, you're reacting to something called quinic acid and there's a solution for you. Or hey, maybe you just love getting a touch of caffeine in the morning and you're getting a little sick of your daily coffee grind or black tea latte situation. Golden Ratio is a low temperature roasted coffee bean that turns golden as it roasts and makes for the smoothest, silkiest coffee. And it's brewed at home the way you brew tea <laughs> in a bag. For quick and easy one cup cleanup, just toss the bag and sip away. Golden Ratio is a completely different experience from regular coffee from the taste to the way you brew it. It's closer to a full bodied tea than a coffee. And the nutty flavor has my taste buds intrigued every single time. 
time. Quinic acid is released when regular coffee beans are roasted at high temperatures for short periods of time. And it's a component of coffee that causes that uncomfortable sour or bubbly feeling in your belly. Golden ratio is roasted at low temperature, which results in the lowest acidity possible in coffee. No belly aches, no bubbling, no grumbling. And wow, does it taste so good. And it's great in fatty coffee if you're into that sort of thing. So if you guys want to check it out, you can go to drinkgoldenratio.com slash keto. Use the code keto at checkout for 20% off. Again, the URL is drinkgoldenratio.com slash keto. Use the code keto for 20% off. Plus all golden ratio purchases are backed by their 100% money back guarantee. So if you don't like it, ask for your money back. Again, it's drinkgoldenratio.com slash keto. Okay, next question. Uh, 16-8 fasting, um, keto about two years and starting to feel symptoms of low blood sugar. Why now? Okay, I would guess that it might not be low blood sugar as much as it's a cortisol issue. How do you test for this? Have breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a couple of days and see if it goes away. Um, you could also do a Dutch Plus test and see kind of what your where your cortisol is at. But generally speaking, if you're having symptoms of low blood sugar, fasting, usually it's cortisol. Sometimes it can be low blood sugar. Um, the only way to check is to test and see what your glucose is at. If your glucose is getting lower, it could be that you need to increase your carbohydrates a little bit or start having breakfast, either or or both. So you could try a couple of days where you're having breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. You should notice a difference within a week with the symptoms of low blood sugar. If when you're getting up, you're getting dizzy, you know, if you're sitting and all of a sudden you have to get up quickly, if you're having that issue, generally speaking, it's a cortisol problem. So in that case, you could also increase your carbs by 10 to 20 grams and see if that helps your situation. It could also be the types of foods that you're choosing. Okay. Um, if you've been doing 16, eight fasting every single day, chances are you're eating pretty low calorie or low and, or uh, low carbohydrate. And you probably aren't having an uh, ample amount of nutrients on a daily basis. So just adjusting your macros just a little bit. I'm not talking about blowing your keto macros out of the water, but I am saying that by adjusting them a little bit, increasing your carbohydrates by 10 or 20 grams, just see after a week, you should notice a difference. But again, if you think that it's low blood sugar, the best way to know what's happening is to test your glucose. Uh, you can get a glucometer at the drugstore for pretty, pretty cheap and just poke your finger. Or in my case, I always like to poke the meaty part of my palm. It works a lot better for me. Um, so if you're one of those people and you find the finger hurts, uh, try the meaty part of your palm and test your blood sugar and see if you do have access to a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, or you're interested in that, that would be banging to know exactly what's going on with your glucose. Uh, you can find out more details by going to levels.link slash KDP if you want to learn more about uh, CGM and using that so you can really find out what's going on with your glucose. Okay, next question. What do you think of prebiotic powders for gut health? Yeah, I guess like they're all right. I've had a lot more success with using other forms of powders and supplements for gut health, but it really depends on, we have to understand that there are so many different varieties of gut health issues or gut imbalances. Um, so it will really depend. I think overall the um, blanket 
things that you can do for your gut on a daily basis to make sure that it's healthy, just like what everyone should do outside of imbalances that could exist, is uh, bone broth when able, collagen when you're able, uh, making sure that you're having all sorts of prebiotic foods and probiotic foods. If you can do dairy, great on that, like yogurts and kefir. If you can't, there's some dairy-free alternatives. I really love Kite Hill and everything that they create. So tasty. So that's an option. Another option is kombucha and water kefir and kimchi, sauerkraut, fermented pickles. Uh, And then you get into like the asparagus, onion, garlic, uh, rutabaga, all your different types of greens. Um, So just adding that variety in, making sure that you're pooping at least once a day, ideally, ideally twice to three times a day. Nice, beautiful, solid, but not too hard to pass poops. Uh, That's what you really, really want. Not too sticky, not too soft, just right. Um, And that's kind of what you want to shoot for. So if you find that a prebiotic powder helps you get there, awesome. Another one you might want to check out is inositol. I'll include a link uh, in the show notes for the inositol that I use, which is nice for your gut. It's also really good for blood sugar regulation and for healing on that regard. So um, those will kind of be my recommendations as it relates to gut health. And then you get more into the finicky parts of things, which you'd have to test using a GI map or something similar to really understand what's going on in your gut and what imbalances there are so you can support them properly. Okay, next question. Have you suffered any skin problems after you went on the keto diet? I got skin problems on my hand. Okay, I don't know what kind of skin problems you're referring to. I can say that when I eat the most beautiful, clean, ketogenic diet, my skin is beautiful and I get so many compliments about how great it is. But um, if I even add like a little bit of chocolate in there or stevia or erythritol or anything, it's all over. So I find the ketogenic diet has been really great for my skin. There are people that have issues with keto rash and those sorts of things. And Unfortunately, the research is really lacking on keto rash and what's uh, what's what works. Uh, I can tell you from a couple of experiences that I've had with clients, um, making sure that you're showering after you're working out, that you're checking the lotions and soaps that you're using. Uh, I've found that the sweat changes when we're on a ketogenic diet and that can cause some irritation. Okay, since this is an ask me anything question, we also have some personal questions in here. Um, When moored, how does coconut go potty? Uh, Very good question. So if you aren't familiar with the way that my husband and I uh, live our life, we live on a boat and our dog coconut um, goes to land. We try to take her to land at least once a day but that would be impossible for her to hold it that long. So she actually goes on the front of the boat and then we just wash it off and throw the poops overboard. If we are at a marina, she goes off most of the time, depending on the marina and the requirements for dogs and things. Uh, It took her a little while to get trained on this boat. Our catamaran was much easier because it had a little net up front that she went to the bathroom on, but um, she figured it out. We thought we were going to have to use grass and stuff, but she just goes on the fiberglass and we clean it up. And that seems to be a pretty common thing on most boats um, that the dogs will just go on the bow and go to the bathroom and the owners clean it up. So we call it the poop deck and that's coconut's little space and we don't really use it. I've been on an iron boosting kick. About six months ago, I discovered my iron levels were dangerously low. Why? Well, because I like plants and I eat a lot of plants on my ketogenic diet. And when you do not combine vitamin C with plant-based iron foods, the iron cannot be absorbed. 
Now, vitamin C-based foods are kind of lacking in the ketogenic diet. It's not impossible to get enough, but it is a challenge. So I started supplementing with Paleo Valley Essential C, and in just three short months, I doubled my iron level. Extreme fatigue, weakness, fluttering heartbeat or shortness of breath, headache, dizziness or lightheadedness, cold hands and feet, inflammation of the tongue, brittle nails. These are all symptoms of low iron, and I had all of them. Sitting on the lower end of normal iron levels can deliver some of these symptoms. And it's very unpleasant, let me tell you. Coupled with the immune boosting component of vitamin C, you really can't go wrong with this one-two punch in your ketogenic diet. And why Paleo Valley Essential C? It's third-party lab tested as the most powerful 100% natural vitamin C product on the market today. It contains not one, but three of the most concentrated natural sources of vitamin C amla berry, camu camu berry, and unripe aceola cherry, the most potent source of natural vitamin C on earth, which is 120 times higher than that found in an orange. Each nutrient-packed serving delivers 750% your RDI of vitamin C, an amount meant to help you thrive, not just survive. Most other vitamin C supplements are derived from GMO corn and only contain one fraction of the vitamin, ascorbic acid. Paleo Valley Essential C Complex contains the entire spectrum with absolutely no synthetic vitamin C, just organic superfoods. Makes a huge difference. Head on over to paleovalley.com. Load up, grab a couple of bottles of vitamin C complex, whatever else that catches your eye. The superfood bars are amazing if you need a recommendation. Then enter the code KETO at checkout to receive 15% off your first order. Again, that's paleovalley.com and the code KETO for 15% off your first order. Okay, next question. I'm struggling with low iron on keto. Eating greens, though. Help. Thanks. Chances are you just need a little bit of iron. I'm going to include a um, iron supplement here uh, in the show notes that you can use for a couple of months and then just test again. Uh, obviously, if your doctor's told you that you're low iron, please check with them beforehand. But uh, when you're supplementing with iron, it's really important that you test again. Uh, so you can supplement with this iron and then uh, check your levels again to make sure. And obviously, if you're working with a doctor on this, please clear it with them um, before taking this. Um, Sometimes women, especially depending on your cycle and what's going on with your ability to absorb nutrients, if you have any gut issues or imbalances there, it can cause you to not be able to assimilate the iron properly. Uh, so also with eating greens, yes, very helpful. You can also pair your iron rich foods with vitamin C rich foods. Uh, so making sure that you're always having just a little bit of vitamin C with your iron can also help with that food. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, supplements can be used for iron imbalances uh, quite common and then test again. And then if all is good, uh, go off of it, then test again in three months until you kind of find your happy place. It's very similar to that in B12 and vitamin D where you kind of have to test and make sure that you're supplementing properly and kind of find that magic sweet spot. And it's always changing. That's that's a case with iron, like I said, B12, D, you're always having to test every three to six months or so and just see where your levels are at. 
Okay, next question. I just started my ketogenic diet journey. Should I get a ketone tester? You can, or you can go off how you feel. It's completely up to you. I'm going to include a link in the show notes of a resource of testing on your ketogenic diet um, so you can discover what works best for you and and what options are out there. But generally speaking, if you just want to go off how you feel, that's completely okay. And that blog post and video and all the resources there will have more information on how you can do that. Okay, next question. Still no weight loss. I started eating this way February 1st. No cheating. What's wrong with me? Uh, There's so many things that could be at play here. Uh, Generally speaking, like I said at the beginning of our episode today, if you have been dieting consistently um, and really, really well for many, many years, then chances are there could be an issue there. If you want to discover more about how to support your hormones, because it could very well be a hormonal issue, why you can't lose weight, especially as women get into their mid 40s and early 50s as hormones are changing. If you've had children or hormonal issues in the past, if you've taken birth control, it can result in your inability to lose weight. If you'd like to learn more about this, I do have a program for it. It's a six week program for ketogenic weight loss, specifically geared toward women that are not having success on keto. Uh, So if you want to learn more about that, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash six week. That's the number six week. And I will also include that in the show notes as well. Okay. Does keto make you moody? If so, how do you combat that? It shouldn't make you moody. If you are experiencing mood issues, it could be either the types of foods you're eating, the frequency that you're eating. If you're eating not frequent enough for you, it can cause some moodiness. So the first step I would do is look at foods specifically like chocolate can make some people moody. Um, Any of those treats or additive things can make people feel a little bit weird uh, mood wise. Uh, You could also, if you are taking a methylfolate, it could be that your level is a little high. So check your multi and, and see if in your supplement collection, you're taking a folate and just maybe test for that and make sure that you're not too high in your folate. Another thing is um, start eating every four to six hours and see if that helps with mood. It could also be related to your cycle. I find that moodiness kind of starts day 17 or so and lasts until your period. So it could be more hormonal than anything. Okay, next question. Tools to counting my macros and carbs. Any suggestions on what tools to use? Yeah, I find the easiest way to really become intuitive with this stuff is to get any sort of macro tracking tool uh, like MyFitnessPal or any of those. And just like on a Saturday afternoon, just sit there and punch in a lot of different foods to kind of see what the values are, how you could make meals out of those foods and just get really, really accustomed to, okay, like if I add half a cup of black beans in here. How many carbohydrates is that? What if I add celery? What if I add mayonnaise? What if I take away some of the beans? What if I add in some chicken and just kind of play around with how you would manipulate certain amounts of ingredients, the types of ingredients, uh, how much fat, protein, carbohydrate, all of those things uh, to kind of just play on a Saturday afternoon or whatever time in your week that you have to just play with those things and kind of see how you would adjust your meals on on the go. Because really, ideally, we don't want you sitting with your phone every time you want to eat something, punching things in and trying to figure out step by step. We want you to learn that, you know, if you add mayonnaise to an otherwise, you know, maybe higher carb meal, then it changes the macros. And maybe you can have a little bit more carbs because you've added more fat and just learning how to go about that way. Next question is keto and wearing a CGM. I'm not diabetic. Why does my glucose rise when I'm doing sprints? 
um, glucose will rise as you're working out because your body requires glucose to be in your bloodstream um, in order to function during a workout. So I find I've been getting a lot of questions recently of people wearing CGMs and they're really, really loving it where they're trying to figure out how to lower their glucose during a workout, you don't want your glucose to be lower during a workout. In fact, if you're working out and your glucose is not doing anything, then there's probably a problem. So this is very, very natural and a completely okay thing. And you'll find that by doing this, you actually become more and more glucose sensitive, uh, meaning as you're working out, your body is releasing glucose, it's using glucose, and it becomes more sensitive to that glucose. Um, so it's a completely natural thing. And if you're concerned about it, the best thing to do would be to chat with your healthcare professional, specifically testing um, your insulin, your HbA1c, and your glucose uh, with them, because they're going to need to know that snapshot number, and just seeing where you stand with them. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Okay, next question. Pain under right ribs after eating keto. Sounds like perhaps a gallbladder thing. You might want to chat with your doctor about that. And also make sure that you're supporting bile production. Some easy and quick ways to do that uh, is sauerkraut juice. Like get the fermented tasty bubby sauerkraut. Eat all the sauerkraut. Oh, I'm salivating. I could really go for some sauerkraut right now. Um, eat all the sauerkraut and then drink the actual juice. Um, there's also a company called Farmhouse Culture. They create sauerkraut juice, like just the juice, and you can get it at Whole Foods and other places and on their website. I think it's even on Amazon now to just help with bile production. Um, all the prebiotic foods um, that we chat are rather all the fermented foods that we chatted about have recently on today's show, that could be an option too, just to help with your bile production. Okay, I seem to have an allergic reaction to baby carrots. Is it maybe something that's sprayed on them? Yeah, man. Je <laughs> baby carrots. Um, we try not to eat them in our house, but they are just so tasty. Um, yeah, they're treated with all sorts of things, preservatives, chlorine, a whole bunch of crazy stuff. So I would just avoid baby carrots and cut up your own carrots. I know it's hard to do, but it's worth it. Okay, next question. How do you calculate your net carbs? Um, really awesome and simple question. So all you got to do is take your total carbs and take away the amount of fiber that you ate. So for example, let's say your total carbs were 40 and you had 30 grams of, of fiber in that day, then you had 10 grams of net carbs. Simple. Okay, a life question. What is it like living on a boat during stormy weather? It's pretty boring because generally speaking, you can't really get off your boat. I mean, people do it, um, but they're crazy. So when it's really, really stormy and it's blowing more than 25-ish knots, we just stay inside and we have our little tender, which is our, our dinghy, which is like your equivalent of a car that we use. We put it on the deck so that it's all safe and we just stay inside and read and make sure that our anchor doesn't drag. If we're sitting at the dock, it's kind of business as usual. You just make sure that the lines are nice and tight, but not too tight. And there's a bunch and everything's good. Um, and you make sure your fenders are out and you just kind of wait till the storm's over. Now, if you're talking hurricanes, that's something you definitely don't want to be in. So you just move out of the way if you can, or batten down the hatches and pray a lot. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of boring when there's a storm and you just hope that there's no lightning. Uh, there was actually a lightning storm here the other day and 
it's definitely nerve wracking because boats do get hit by lightning and the electricity or all the electric um, gets ruined on the boat. So you definitely don't want that to happen. But yeah, you just pray that it doesn't and hope for the best. Okay, next question. Is holistic medicine okay or safe for Christians? Really good question. I might not be the best one to ask because I've only been a Christian for less than a year. But I would say, um, given all the things that I know about holistic care, and the little that I know about being a Christian and following Jesus is that I think the two are okay. I wouldn't recommend perhaps doing like THC care or anything like that. I mean, it really depends. But I think that holistic medicine in its natural form is completely okay. Herbs, okay. But you know, the thing about all these things is that if you've been convicted otherwise, and you feel very strongly, who am I to speak out of that? But if you're being called to adjust your care uh, based on the fact that you are a Christian, then that's something that you need to pray over, I would imagine, or ask uh, your pastor or elders in your church for guidance on that. But I would say overall for myself and, you know, reading the Bible and understanding, I think that there's a level of us having to take care of our bodies in a non-disordered, healthful way. And I think holistic care, uh, functional medicine that's done in such a non-disordered functional way that it would be uh, my my personal choice as opposed to, you know, hitting my body with a whole bunch of drugs and affecting it chemically. So that would be how I would approach that. Okay, so next question. How do you cycle carbs if you no longer have a cycle? You're really just choosing like one day a week to just have carbohydrates when you feel like it. Yeah, easy peasy. <laughs> I love this question. If you could change the RDAs, how and what would you change? <laughs> um, everything. <laughs> Do you know like those teardowns? You know, like you buy a house and you think it's fine and then you realize that it's not fine. And you literally need to tear it down completely. And while you're at it, just take out the basement also and just like leave one gaping hole to start over. That's that's how I would do that. <laughs> yeah, awesome question. Okay, so that's it for our Q&A episode, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. Um, It was really great answering all your questions. Uh, Next up on the podcast, episode 315, I'm having my friend Autumn Smith on the show to talk about healing from toxic nutritional beliefs. Oh, it's a good one. And then episode 316, we're talking about starting keto, all the hiccups that we go through as we're starting the ketogenic diet. So I hope to see you there and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.